0: Well, thanks for joining us today on the HopeCast, where each and every episode, we're bringing you hope-filled comeback stories and conversations that will help to radically change your life. We are your hosts, Lance and... Allie. Lang, and we are, we did it, and we are back. Isn't it exciting to be back on the air? Have you had a good week so far?
1: I have. It's been a busy week, but every week is busy here at Hope is Alive. You know what I
0: love about this season?
1: Um, let me guess. Football. Come on. Um, NBA finals that are happening. Yes, right which now. is
0: kind of weird for this season, but I am enjoying it.
1: Hey, sup?
0: that I knew that. That's a good. Uh,
1: and uh, Saturdays and cold weather there and you coconut go. Red Bull. Yes, we're
0: listing all my favorite things. Chips
1: and salsa. Like the
0: sound of music in here. Yes. I love the weather in the fall. There's just something about it. And yeah. we're living in it right now. It's just a beautiful time of year. It just gets me excited. About I was what? singing this morning mm-hmm. throughout the house. Did you hear me? I
1: did.
0: I was really, <laughs> I'm just something about the weather. It just, I don't know. It just gets me excited about what's to come.
1: I would like to put in more of a request next time for you to sing specific songs that I like. Come it on. seems lately you've been singing things that are from about
0: 1983. I'm, I I'm a big 80s kick right now. Yeah. I don't know why. Cause I'm actually born in the 80s. So really I was more of a child of the 90s. But I like to sing songs from the you 80s. You
1: were pretty early 80s. So I don't okay. Know you were a child of the
0: 90s. Yes, of course I was a child of the 90s. I was from age 8 to 18 in, in the 90s, of okay. course. I grew up there.
1: So who's your favorite 80s band?
0: Oh, I, I know this is kind of weird. Shout out to my friend Bill Evans. But I'm a pretty big Chicago fan. Any like I love yeah. Chicago. I love Peter Cetera. I love um, any kind of 80s balladish type stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is really funny to admit, but I do love listening to that.
1: And what what about 90s?
0: Oh, 90s. Since you are
1: quote unquote, a child of the 90s.
0: I mean, a little bit of everything. You know, I wasn't as into grunge in the 90s, but I find myself really, like, listening to a lot of Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and Nirvana now, which is weird. But I I just, maybe it's just hearkening back to those days.
1: Oh, how I want to get into the Kurt Cobain conspiracy theory, but I will not.
0: Don't do that. I do know that you're not actually a big music fan yourself. No. But you do wish, like, have a secret dream to be a great singer. Accurate? Yeah,
1: like, God told me that when I get to heaven, I'm going to have the most beautiful voice. That's
0: awesome. Yes. I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) I know.
1: Because here on earth, I cannot match a tune to save my life.
0: Well, I love to try, or to listen to you try, though. It's beautiful.
1: Well, the Hope Cast is brought to you by Hope is Alive Ministries. HIA has 19 intentional, next level, sober living homes in six cities and three states. And we provide community based support groups called Finding Hope for loved ones of addicts in multiple locations across the country. You can find out more information about Finding Hope at findinghope.today. And more information about Hope is Alive, mentoring homes at hopeisalive.net. It's the perfect time to be talking about finding hope today.
0: That's right. We've got an incredible guest lined up. But before we get to our guest, I want to make sure everybody knows that this is episode seven. So we've had six episodes of the HopeCast. You should go back and listen to them all. We've got some incredible guests, some incredible stories, all hope-filled, all comeback stories that I think you, you will enjoy. So make sure you go back and listen to previous episodes. Do us a favor. Share the episodes. Give us a ranking, whether you're listening on Apple or on Spotify. Give us all the stars that are possibly available. That would help so many people. Why? Because when people listen to comeback stories, it sparks something inside of them that can lead to a change. And you never know, your share or your review might be the thing. This is for real. Might be the thing that somebody needs to see to say, hey, I'm going to listen to that, and their life could change. I tell you this, all the time I get stories that people tell me about, hey, I ran into this person, or I found your book here, or somebody told me about Hope is Alive there, or I saw a t-shirt, or I saw this social media post. God really works in a ton of different ways um, to intercede on our behalf and to help us to change our lives. So Mm -hmm. today, if you're listening wherever you are, it would really do us a big favor and somebody else if you could share this or rank this podcast episode. Hey, we are excited today about who's sitting right beside us. She's been very patient quiet and kind to await as we have bantered along in the intro. It is our great friend. It is our Finding Hope coordinator here at Hope is Alive. I don't it's, know
1: if like coordinator does her the I justice is she deserves. Maybe we should Leader, change her title.
0: That's true. The czar of all <laughs> things, yes. Finding, finding Hope. Hope, which is exploding. Give it up wherever you are. Big round of applause for our friend, Miss Amy LaRue. Yay, yay, yeah, yeah, you, Amy?
2: I'm doing well. Thank
0: you, guys. Absolutely. It's great to have you here.
2: I'm glad to be here. Have you
0: ever done a podcast?
2: I have not. I love oh, it for
0: venturing into new territory. Yes, you're always I know, making me right?
2: go out. <laughs> But I love it. I love yeah. it. Always pushing all-
0: people outside <laughs> of their comfort zones. <laughs> that that's one thing I enjoy doing. Though. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yes,
1: you do enjoy that. <laughs>
0: we talk about it all the time, but the growth comes in the uncomfortable areas. I'm already teaching, but that's so true.
1: It's not yours comes. to teach today. I Let's know. get back I'm to gonna, Amy.
0: I'm going to stop. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it.
1: Amy, can you start out by telling us a little bit about you and what led to what we talked about, which was finding hope, right? Our parents and loved ones support groups. No addicts allowed. And so, and you uh, lead these across really the, actually the world now. Yes, absolutely. Right? Which is so exciting. But, you know things happen in our lives that bring us to the point that ignite a spark in us that we want to help others. That's true. So can you tell us a little bit about what brought you to wanting to lead Finding Hope?
2: Absolutely. First, I'm going to kind of backtrack a little bit. And... Um, my husband and I were high school sweethearts. So, so you know, we dated through all through high school, got married in college and all that moved from Kansas down to Oklahoma and just started our lives here in Oklahoma, you know, got plugged into our church, got really active in a church right away and started to build some great friendships within our small groups. And, you know, we had two girls and life was just going grand. But then something happened, there was a shift, and I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. honestly. I just knew, I felt like I was walking on eggshells all the time. And my husband just wasn't himself. He just wasn't the involved dad. Yeah. He wasn't the involved husband. And, um, you know, I didn't know what was going on with him. And I, you know, started thinking he had a brain tumor, honestly, mm, and wow. I started to Google you know, symptoms of brain tumors and all of this, wow. and just didn't know what was going on, you know, and I would reach out to, you know, one friend from our church, you know, one person knew that something was going on and she was a counselor. So I thought she was a safe person I could talk to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just didn't know what was going on. And, you know, things just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm like, what is going on? And then it brought us to, um, a, snowy February day. And I came home from work. I was a kindergarten teacher. The snow was falling all day. My personal kids just wanted to go outside and play. And just something was really off with my husband that day. You know, I just didn't know what it was. And, you know, I got the girls ready. And next thing I know, he's yelling from the living room, help, help, help. And so I ran into that living room and there I found him like, laying flat on our carpet and just didn't know what was going on, what to do in that moment. I felt all alone in that moment Mm -hmm. and just helpless, very helpless. And, um, anyways, make a long story Mm -hmm. short, just things continued. He went to the doctor. We got him prescribed some medicine. You know, that's (laughs) not always the best case, what I've learned now, but, Uh you know, I say, you don't know what you don't know. And, um, And then it came to our daughter's third birthday, and I was real anxious and nervous for her birthday party, just because that last month leading up was just really awful in our house. It just wasn't peaceful; it was just yucky. And Mm -hmm. I just never wanted to be home. To be truthful, like I wanted to stay at school and Mm -hmm. just do, you know, just be in that my bubble in a safe place at school with my students and, um her third birthday five minutes before the birthday party i had to kick my husband out of the house wow. and because i knew he couldn't sit there through that party he was backed in his um laying back in his recliner shoes off wouldn't help with anything and so we kicked him out and later we had a wonderful birthday party um, but I was a mess through the mm. whole party because we were missing somebody there, yeah. um, and that would be the biggest first event that my husband actually missed. And our daughter Macy—if anyone knows her—she is just full-spirited and yeah. she blossomed, and she was, you know, just precious through the whole thing. And I can still remember remember every detail of it. And that night, though, I had a gut feeling, and I call it the Holy Spirit. And my husband said that he needed to get a drink of water and I felt like something wasn't right. And so I literally jumped out of bed, ran across our living room and there I finally had my answer. He was trying to pour vodka from an empty bottle into a cup. You know, he had been hiding it in the garage of all places. I mean, I know addicts are smart people, Mm -hmm. but I had my answer with a sense of relief, but I didn't know what to do then. Yeah. Like, yeah. is he an alcoholic? Yeah. What's You know, I didn't think we kept alcohol in our house. We just never was around, never did the party scene, never mm-hmm. did any of that. And what do I do now with this?
0: I want to jump in right there. That's an amazing lead in. Yeah. And thank you for your vulnerability and transparency there, because I think there are so many people listening to what you just said that feel the same way, have mm-hmm. felt the same way, maybe have the same memories Maybe it's not a birthday party, but it's some other life event that husband, wife, spouse, child was not able to be a part of. Addiction stole it from them. Moments that are flashing in their minds. And there might be people listening that are emotional, Mm -hmm. listening to what you just described and saying, that was my life or it is my life. And one of those people, Allie, is you. And so I just want to ask you real quickly, you know, what did that bring up for you? And how much of that do you relate to as somebody that loves a drug addict or an alcoholic?
1: Um, You know, what's funny is it it took me back to a lot of different things in what what you shared because uh, not knowing what it was was Mm -hmm. like the big question, right? We know that there's something going on. We can see all these behaviors that are inappropriate or maybe out of control, but maybe they're just below the surface of like, what is it, Absolutely. right? And then we talk to them, and we expect the truth. There are <laughs> husband, there are significant other, there are what, and and uh, we don't get it. And so it's almost like um, trying to find your an exit in a dark room, of to like where exactly am I going, and how do I get to that door, and understand what it is. And I remember the moment that Lance told me what it was, and really, what's what was. What felt really unfair to me was like going back to your daughter's birthday party and having to make excuses i always had to make excuses mm-hmm. for his behavior for his absence for all of those different things with your family with mine with our friends with your work yep. and um and so being going back to that place man i just i think there's so many people out there that are probably listening that felt this feel or felt the same way what is it and also when am i going to stop making excuses for my loved one's behavior and just let them reap the consequences of it. Absolutely.
0: Amazing. Well, pick us up then on what happened from there and and whether it was something that inside of you that pushed you over the edge to to finally say enough is enough or kind of let the folks know what you did from there. Yeah. So
2: I didn't know what to do. Like I was said, like I literally just stood there numb, like numb, like just numb. Mm. And um, I kicked him out of the house that night and didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> didn't know that was okay to do. That that was an okay thing. Um, went to church the next day. Honestly, I did and tried to pretend like nothing happened. Yeah. I dressed in my the best dress I could think of, mm-hmm. and so no one knew that we would were dealing with a problem at home. Yeah. But I sat through that service crying the whole time. Wow. And two of our friends sat there and they could tell something was wrong. And they approached me after church and said, What's going on, Amy? And it's like, Can you come home with me? And so, you know, we drove back to my house and I just showed them the empty bottle, vodka bottles sitting mm-hmm. right there and we prayed together and we cried together. But what was you had just spoke at our church lands mm-hmm. and one of mm-hmm. my friends had just heard. Just mm-hmm. amazing what God does, isn't right. it? Like Timing. Yeah. you know. And, you know, she pr- brought out her notes and, you know, trying to figure out how are we going to fix this problem, exactly. right? That's what we do. We try to figure out how we're going to fix this yes. problem. This I can checklist. fix it, you what know, are the three <laughs> steps
0: to get this guy and sober. we do it. Yeah, right? exactly. Go
2: about our lives. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, um, they meant well, they really sure, did. You know, the biggest thing that they could do was pray for us. That's right. You know, yep. pray for me, pray for our marriage and pray for my husband. And so we, you know, my husband, I think, reached out to you that week and you went and it recommended a counselor. So he started seeing a counselor, um, but he wasn't, like you're saying, truthful to the counselor. They're yeah. not truthful to us, they're not truthful, you know. So um, I would say things got okay for about a month,
0: mm-hmm. maybe
2: a month. Yeah. <laughs> and then those same behaviors. Wow you know, the absence, the not wanting to be involved, the being asleep every time I would come home from work, all those same behaviors Mm -hmm. just started to creep back up. And I just pretended like they weren't happening, to be Mm -hmm. honest. I just was like, I've got to get through this school year. I've got to finish out strong. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just didn't, again, I still just didn't know what to do. Nobody knew what was going on in our my parents knew, his parents knew, and those two friends. Those the yeah. only people that knew what was truly going on. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we got got him back into counseling, some group counseling. And I remember, um, googling Google. I tell people all the time. <laughs> I googled, googled out, yeah. like trying, like I said, trying to fix my husband, fix this problem. This is a, I can fix it. Like you know. I'm well educated. Sure. I'm a great teacher. Like I can fix this problem, you yeah. know. Yeah, I'm.
0: Well, you I'm, can fix things all day. I, I mean, do. That's what you do with your with the kids at your school or the kids that you raise at the house. I mean, you're a fixer. That's what moms do. If there's a problem there, they try yeah. to find a solution. So problem I'm solver. Get it. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I remember driving my husband to a group counseling which he didn't want to go
0: yeah
2: he didn't eat dinner that night he was in bed I don't need to go I'm like you're going like yeah so I actually threatened to call his dad to yeah. take him <laughs> it's like, but anyways he got in the car on my way back home I just bawled wow. and I remember calling my mom that night and like mom I don't know what to do I wanted her then to tell me what to do yeah but addiction wasn't a part of our immediate family. You know, I didn't think it was a part of our family, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's so hidden and all of that. And that night she's like, Amy, you need to make a change. And that's when I tell people I hit my rock bottom Mm, as a loved one Mm. thinking, okay, everything I'm trying to do for him isn't working. Maybe I do need to work on myself. Mm -hmm. Like, Maybe I need to change what I'm doing. And so I was like, okay, mom, like, I'll do that. Cause I'm a rule follower, you know? <laughs> so the next day I called a counselor and started in realizing I needed counseling. Well, I really kind of wanted her to still tell me what to do to fix my husband. Of course. But what I found was I started learning some tools and, mm-hmm. you know, getting tools to help myself in all of this. Um, but I still, was, still didn't know what to do with my husband. Like, what am I still supposed to do with him? And There was a weekend that he ended up at the ER, Mm. and I wasn't home. I was in Kansas. I would escape on the weekends to go be with my parents in Kansas because I just needed time away from what was going on in my house. I needed away from all of that. And he ended up at the ER, and he just—I dropped our kids off at my one friend's house that knew what was going on. And in her kitchen, I stood there, and I looked at her in the eyes, and— with tears going down my cheeks, saying, I don't know why we're going through this, Mm -hmm. but I know God has a plan and a purpose. And I said, my prayer is for someday that I will be able to help others where I am today, give them hope. And I don't, at that point, I didn't even know if my husband was ever going to get sober, but I knew that God uses our storms for his glory and for his purpose.
0: That's so Amen. Good. Amen. So, mm-hmm. Amen for sure. That's amazing.
1: So he's uh at home every weekend by himself mm-hmm. while you and the kids are in Kansas. Was that a prolonged amount of time that you would do that? Was it months? Was it It's about a month. A month that mm-hmm. you did that. And then what happened next? Is there is there like a moment that he was ready to get help?
2: So when he was in the ER, um you know, he's laying in that bed, you know, saying, I I didn't drink. I didn't, you know, <laughs> his parents thought he was dehydrated where I knew in the back of my mind what the truth was. And the ER doctor comes in and looks at my husband straight in the eyes. Do you want to tell him, or do you want me to? Mm. And he's like, tell them what? And at that point I knew what it was. And the ER doctor said, you're three times over the legal limit of alcohol. And my husband still was denying it right there. Wow. And he's like, no, sir. Like, this is a blood test. This is, I can show you the paper. Like, yeah. and at that point, I just sat there like I've been doing and sobbed. I can remember my mother-in-law standing over there yelling at him. And then my father-in-law with just this face of just disappointment, like distress, you know, and it's all of our different characteristics that's came right. out there. And you sure. guys know my in-laws and that's yeah. describes yeah. them. And yep. Um, at that point, my mother-in-law tried to hand me his wallet and I said, I said, he's not coming home with me tonight. Mm. And the next day when he was sobered up, um, I said, you're not coming home until you're healthy. And I didn't know what that meant, yeah. but I do know I needed that. Like, I truly couldn't have him and do this for the rest of our lives. And that's where I tell people, that's where I set my very first, very firm, intact boundary mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. And that next week, he was at rehab. Wow.
0: wow. Let's jump in and talk about a little bit of what we've learned. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. I, I. What I wanted to know is this. You know, it's interesting if there are wives or maybe husbands listening, um, It's interesting dealing with the in-laws as a part of it. Were they, (laughs) you know, um, I know for us, it was, I would call Lance's parents at times and they would kind of blow it off um, because they're not in front of him. They lived in Tennessee at the time and they're not in front of him. They don't see how bad it is. Were uh, Shane's parents like that? or were they more involved? Did you tell them early on? Was this was the ER the first um, kind of realization that it was a problem,
2: that he had a problem? Um, I think they knew, they just didn't know to the extent sure. because there was times that I would call because I didn't know what to do. And um, sometimes before we even knew what was going on, but they obviously didn't know everything, mm-hmm. like you're saying, that was going on behind those closed doors. Um, and i think that was a big eye-opener though to them that they were the ones that witnessed it first they're the ones that took him to the er because Mm -hmm. i was on my way back from kansas you know they're the ones and i think it really shook them that night like my son has a problem sure you know my husband has a problem he we had never used that word alcoholic. Mm -hmm. You know, we just thought he was dealing with anxiety and, you know, all that. And so, um, you know, and it's one of those, I was like that middle person for so long. And so they were hearing it from my perspective and not seeing it from with their own eyes. And so that ER
1: moment made you a united front to say, hey, We all, everyone that loves you and cares about you in this world sees that this is a problem. Absolutely.
0: Well, let's pick up on some hope here in a second. But I just want to recap a few things that I've learned throughout this process. First off, I think all of us walk through some season of denial. Mm. You know, everybody that's a part of the process, uh, family members, church members, friends, children, whatever it is, when there's an addict involved, for a long season of time, we're, we're naturally prone to be in denial. And to say this maybe it's this or maybe it's that or it's not that bad or hey he's dehydrated or whatever the specific reasoning is. But what you said that was powerful is that you got to a place of desperation yourself that led to you reaching out and hitting your own rock bottom. And I think that's two important lessons. Reaching out for help, because we don't have all the answers, <laughs> and understanding that you as a loved one, listeners, loved ones of addicts and alcoholics also reach a rock bottom just like us addicts do as well and your rock bottom was that you were sick and tired of being sick and tired just absolutely just like i was at a, at a certain point and then you begin to set boundaries which i know you talk about so much in the finding Hope support groups and ali's created so much great content around uh, for us to teach about but those important things Finding your rock bottom, reaching out for help, and then beginning to set healthy, intact boundaries led you to the place where you and your family were able to transition. And if you could kind of take us from that journey forward into maybe where you are today.
2: Absolutely. So that week, I contacted you, Lance. That's right. And I wanted him to tell me again how to get to my husband. <laughs> exactly. You are very helpful. And I also appreciate you answering your call sure. when you're in. Washington, D.C. Right, sure. yeah. <laughs> but um, you flipped it though on me too. Yeah. You said, We here's some resources for your husband, but we also have a resource for you. Yeah, and I, I needed, some, <laughs> <laughs> and I was in such that desperate place. I know I needed something and I needed people who understood me. Yeah. Because I always say, You don't get it unless you live it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And You invited me to my first Finding Hope meeting. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm a real follower. So I went and I remember walking in and I walked in dressed nice again because I didn't want those people to know we had a problem.
0: Yeah.
2: But it was also one of those, like I walked in and it was a sense of, I can breathe. Yeah. These people get it Mm -hmm. and I'm not alone anymore. Mm. I am not alone anymore. These people know what it's like to love An addict. They know what it's like to love an alcoholic or a drug addict. You know they know it. I couldn't tell you one thing at that meeting. All I could say was I finally didn't feel alone.
0: Well, let me let me say something because I remember that meeting, and I think a lot of folks can relate to this. Yes, today you can look back and feel like you were surrounded by people and you weren't alone, and all that felt so good for you. But that night you had a a demeanor of kind of uh, not anger. I'm sure you were angry inside but you were almost had a wall up, mm. you know, physically I could see it. And I was almost intimidated by you. Cause I didn't know like, okay, is she not enjoying the class? <laughs> um, is she, did she not get anything out of it? And I think that's important to share. Like there's walls up those first oh, few meetings and folks are hurting and kind of what did that feel like? Cause you're saying on the inside, it felt good, but on the outside it was still kind of tough. I bet.
2: Absolutely. Like I just, how do I put this? I just didn't want
0: You didn't want this to be your life?
2: Yeah. No. I was yeah. done. Like I was, and I remember even laying in bed, sons, like, is this what our life is gonna be like for the rest of the life our lives? Yeah. You know, I see that person over there smiling. Am I really gonna ever have that smile? Wow. Why can they smile when I'm in so much pain?
0: Yeah.
2: You know, why 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 is that, mm. you know, and that's part of it. Like I could see the smiles on some of their faces and I wanted that so desperately, but I didn't know if I could ever really get there.
0: Yeah. Mm hmm Well, tell—go ahead.
2: Oh, what
1: I was going to say is, you know, um, I remember going to visit him, doing all that stuff, and I was angry— the, yet again, I had to be doing something Absolutely. for his addiction, you know, and I feel like that's a lot of like, on my end with our residents, parents where they get to, it's just like, why do I have to be doing more for this person, right? And do you ever come across that as with finding hopers, as we call them, yes. um, that attend finding hope? Do you ever find that they're just like, man, this is one more thing, one more way this person is consuming
2: me. And maybe it keeps them out from even coming in in the first place. Oh, totally, I think it does. Yes, and I felt that same way. I'm like, why do I have to give up my Tuesday nights, yeah. Yeah. find babysitters for our, our kids when I'm not the one that was putting the booze down my throat? Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that I was like, hurt. this is not, I didn't choose this for mm-hmm. my life, yeah. but what I came, my husband also didn't choose it. That's
0: right.
2: You know, um, and the more I came to Finding Hope, the more I learned, the more tools I gained Now I don't want to miss a meeting, Mm. you know, like I just want, you know, it was just so healing. And the tools I learned wasn't just for my addict, I'm able to use it in life Mm -hmm. with other relationships with, you know, when I was teaching with my coworkers, with, you know, my family members, Mm -hmm. you know, and, but I also see it the flip side, Allie, sometimes they think once their loved one gets into recovery.
0: In the process. They, yeah. they're, dead. they're dead. They don't need anything.
2: <laughs> yes. They don't need any help, too. Yeah. 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 Where they have a lot of healing that still needs to be
1: done. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? You talk about denial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes uh, what we go through uh, as the loved one, um, once they enter day one of sobriety, it's like, okay, our work is done. Now everything's going to be great. But we know that addicts and alcoholics stay sober through community. And so we are living in denial if we don't believe as loved ones that we stay sober in Absolutely. community. Or yep. live
0: in recovery. Yeah. We live a life of recovery. And, and we live a life of recovery. Absolutely. That um, On either side of, of the addiction, either the loved one or the addict. Yeah. W- when recovery hits our living room, nobody asks for it. Or addiction hits our living room. Nobody's asking for it. But the gift when we begin to see it that way is that we get to live a life of recovery for the rest of our lives. And it's a continuous journey of self-improvement, of growth, of education. And and we find our balance and our freedom through the context of community, of other like-minded, commonly afflicted people. And that's what finding hope is. And I want to transition into that kind of as we're wrapping up a little bit. And I'll kind of tell the story from my end. I begin to see Amy find passion and excitement for finding hope, and I saw her life change and her family begin to change. And as so often is the case, Allie and I are always looking for folks that want to come and journey with us and create this um, amazing thing called Hope is Alive and Finding Hope and spread it across the world. And so we begin to talk to Amy and ask you to come on board. And I know that that was what God was kind of working in your heart. And you said yes over a period of time <laughs> <laughs> to joining us part-time and then full-time. And today you get to facilitate and lead and teach and, and uh, oversee the leaders in all the different support group meetings across the country. But tell us why it is so special. What makes you want to not miss a meeting? And what is um, just helping literally hundreds of people now begin to find hope and healing regardless of their loved one Mm -hmm. through the finding of support groups?
2: Well, first of all, I want people because I remember where they were and I can relate to them, but I also want them to be where I am today. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I want them to feel that hope. I want them to feel that healing that I tell people I'm going to be okay no matter what happens with my husband. If he relapses or whatever happens, I'm going to be okay. and hope Finding hope is different from any other support groups that I've attended. And, you know, we truly build each other up, we truly lean on each other, and we are a family. Like, I'm kind of possessive of them, I call them my people, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, you know, it just is different, and it's Christ-based, you know, we, you know, truly believe, you know, Jesus is the way, you know, we fully surrender. We pray for one another in the groups. We, you know, check in on one another. Um, You know, we it's just a huge, like you're saying, a community doing life together now. And, you know, knowing this rope, I can call on anybody. Anyone can call on me, and we're here to listen. It's awesome. Mm, That's incredible. A judgment-free
1: zone, too. That's right. Absolutely. So what would you say to somebody that's like, ah, I really don't— want to take up my time to have to do this. Why is it even important for a family member to have a support group? Isn't this their problem that they need to deal with? And, and in turn, um, how can you be okay? You know, if you said that if your husband relapses or, or stay sober forever, um, how do you get to the place that he can be okay? Do you think it's just years of finding hope?
2: I think, you know, this is life. Yeah. recovery is life. That's you right. know, it's not just for a season, mm-hmm. it's life. And I was actually just talking to someone. So is Fighting Hope just a 12 month? Pr- no, it's a life program. That's good. And, um, but what I've told people is we'll do it, go to any ropes to get our loved one healthy and well, right? We will do anything. Yeah. We will drive in the blizzard to get the, take mm-hmm. them to rehab. We'll drive in the pouring rain. We deserve that too. We need to learn how That's to good. love ourselves again. We lose loving ourselves through their addiction. And we deserve that as loved ones. We deserve happiness. And I tell them, this is your week. This is your meeting. You put it in your phone. You schedule things around finding hope. You don't think, oh, I don't have anything going on tonight. I'll go to find, nope. If someone asks you to go to dinner, nope, I have my finding hope meeting. Yeah. You make it a priority. You make yourself a priority. Yes. So many times That's we good. forget to make ourselves a priority. And I do that as a parent too. I, I With my three kids, I have to remember, you know, I'm a priority. If I'm not healthy and well, I can't give them what they deserve Mm -hmm. as a mom. That's right. Mm -hmm. It's good. I like it. And non-negotiable. Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, this is amazing. And and I want folks to know that wherever you are in the world listening, Finding Hope is available for you. We are now hosting two Finding Hope support group meetings every week online. And you can connect with those online groups just by emailing Amy. It's probably the best way. That's okay. Amy at Alive. (laughs) And we also have 22 different Finding Hope support group meetings that meet in person in seven different states actively right now and growing. And you can find all those different groups. There's groups in Colorado, Texas, Oklahoma, North Carolina, Massachusetts. About uh, well, to
2: start one in Florida. <laughs> about to start one in
0: Florida. Eventually, Costa Rica. We have Spanish-speaking Finding Hope support groups as well, and this is growing. And I want you to know, pastors, if you're listening, church members, if you're listening, if you're out there and you're saying, "I need a Finding Hope support group for myself," and my community need ones needs one as well. Amy, tell them about what's coming up and how they can get involved.
2: Absolutely. So we do. I. D- host a leader training finding yeah. hope leader training so it's a full day program went from you know all day come yes. ready we provide lunch and equip you fully equip you to be able to go back to your church and your community to lead it with stress-free
0: yeah
2: you know I we go through everything I have it all laid out ready to go you know all you have to do is show up have a year. Listen and you leave ready to lead your finding hope. And so we have one coming up here in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um November sixth. That's
0: right. So we're recording this in early October. So it's coming up in November 2020. So when you're listening to this, <laughs> just in case. November sixth. Yes. Here in Oklahoma City. It's a live in-person Finding Hope leader training. You'll wanna sign up, you'll wanna get here. That way you can have everything. I love it. Stress-free. you are able to take this Finding Hope support group material. And I'm telling you, she goes over everything. How to set up a table. How to set up uh, the attendance sheet. How do you work your local Finding Hope Facebook group? What kind of a language do you use when you're opening the meeting? You are not going to have anything that Amy will not show you how to do. Mm -hmm. Anybody can lead it. If you've been uh, touched by addiction, somebody in your life, and you have a passion to help other people find recovery, hope, and healing, this is a great way for you to live that out.
1: I think one of my favorite things about finding hope is the finding hope motto.
0: Perfect way <laughs> yes. to end, look at you do? And I
1: think it's important that we touch on that, just so you all know, um, before we leave,
2: what is the finding hope motto, Amy? You're not alone. And so many times, like I said, I felt so alone, yeah. so isolated. You know, we isolate ourselves. It's not your fault. I blamed myself so much. If I was a better wife, if I did that, the ifs, 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 but there is hope. Yes. You know, you see, and that's what that smile, smile I saw on the face that first mean mm-hmm. when I had that wall and I could see that. And I was so angry at that smile, but that was the hope and I wanted it so desperately. So I just okay. kept going and going yeah. until I got that smile on my face.
0: Well, I know there's folks that are listening that have listened the entire time wondering if that could be the situation for their family. And we want to close by telling you there really is hope. Yes. There is hope. This is not just a phrase that we're saying. We have seen countless families come through the Finding Hope support group programs, and when they have chosen to get healthy, Mm -hmm. kind of what miraculously happens, what God begins to do when people get healthy is those around them begin to see the light in them and their behaviors begin to change. And we've seen moms and dads and spouses begin to take their recovery seriously, and lo and behold, In the months and years to follow the addicts do so as well and we've seen so many families truly fully restored Mm -hmm. Um, and it's pretty amazing and so that motto means something i really believe it's god ordained and inspired and we stand by it that you are not alone it's not your fault and there is hope so find a Finding Hope support group near you or jump online. You can do that at findinghope.today. You can read all about it. You can watch more incredible stories of those that have been a part of this support group. Find out more about how to connect with Amy. And Amy, thank you so much. Yes. Well, thank
2: you for having thank me. Thank you for being here with us. Yes.
0: This it was, was cool. absolutely amazing. On the hope cast
1: here today when she's leading a global Finding Hope mission. It's
0: amazing. Yeah. Hundreds of people every single yep. month that are engaging. And we know that there's dozens of more groups that are starting in the beginning. Ending of 2021 and and maybe that's you wherever you are in a community across the world maybe it's time for you to bring the hope of finding up support groups to your community we want to ask you to consider doing that we know so many lives will be changed because of it so thank you for listening to episode seven today with our guest miss amy larue i'm lance lang and our other host is allie Allie Lang, that's Thank right. Thank
1: you so much. Our co-hosting that's is right. Lance and Allie Lang.
0: I love it, every <laughs> single day of it. And I want you all to remember when you're listening to the HopeCast, three things. God is love, change is possible, and hope is alive.